0: You're listening to Comedy Central.
1: Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a Gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion, online at diamondsdirect.com. Jump into the epic world of Avatar The Last Airbender with
0: Nickelodeon's official companion podcast, Avatar Braving the Elements.
1: Hosted by me, Janet Varney, and me,
0: Dante Bosco. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Coming to you from the heart of Times Square in New York City, the only city
1: in America, it's The Daily Show, Ears Edition. Tonight, India Ari joins us on the show to have a special conversation about Spotify and Joe
2: Rogan. This is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to The Daily Show. I'm Trevor Noah. Tonight we had an episode planned around the Super Bowl and Ukraine and just catching up on all of the news. But I had truly one of my favorite conversations with a human being that I ever thought I could have. And that's with our guest today, multi-Grammy award-winning artist India Ari. She was here to talk about um, Joe Rogan and everything that's going on with Spotify. And to be honest with you, I think the conversation turned into something way more beautiful and, and I appreciated her sharing it with me. And so I decided I had to share it with you and I, I really think that you will appreciate it. So just for today, here it is, a special episode that is one conversation that I think touches on almost everything. Miss India Ari, welcome to The Daily Show.
3: Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here.
2: Um, it's, it's a pleasure for me. I've, I've been a fan of yours. I mean, from, from the moment you came out, loved your music. Thank Loving you. your hair, by the way. I know you're not the hair, but I'm, I cannot not comment on it. I know it's been a I journey for you. I love your hair, you. too. We Thank both you very have much. have more
3: hair than normal. Yeah. Thank you I very really much. Like yeah,
2: yeah, we're both on this, on this journey together, you know? Um, yeah. I need to find out what products <laughs> you use. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss off, off the air. Been trying to figure that out. <laughs> off the air. <laughs> you, you know, I, I wanted to have you on the show so we could chat. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's, it, it's funny. Your I'm name... sorry, can I just say I'm nervous? And you know what? I like that. I would like for you to say that you're nervous. I just
3: had to get it out. I'm like that on stage too. When I have something inside that's just sitting, I have to say it so I can move past it. I'm nervous because there's a lot to say. Yes. Well, there's a lot because I'm good at singing about these things, and talking about them for me is new. And although I've done a lot of work to to own my voice, yes, this is big a big conversation. A lot of people watching, and we're not even going to sing. We're just talking, so it's I'm nervous.
2: No, I'm glad that you said it. You know why I'm glad you said it is because two things. One, I feel like a lot of people are nervous to have conversations these days. And I think a lot of us are nervous to have conversations because these days conversations get broken down into sound bites as opposed to the conversations that they actually are. I know that that's happened to you. I know that happens to me. Oh gosh, many times. You know, you you, you try and give a, a complete thought that is as flawed and as, as complicated as human beings themselves are. And then someone will distill you into one part of a sentence that tries to turn you I- into, into a lightning rod for a different conversation that you're not trying to be a part of. So, so let, let's start with this, because I, I think I understand this correctly. Joe Rogan is not your mortal enemy, right? Goodness, uh, no. And
3: I don't even know him. But my conversation, of course, has been about Spotify and his treatment of artists. Right. But because of what the media does, now it's become this conversation between me and him and about me and him. And I'm willing to have it, because if it's here, it must be had, I suppose. But he's not... I don't, he, I don't have any mortal
2: enemies. I like that. Let's, let's talk about the music first, and then we'll talk about um, the, the, the Joe Rogan of it all. So, you, you know, you said something that a lot of artists have been, have been talking about with regards to... Spotify being the biggest player, but streaming in general, and how like musicians have I mean, I don't know if tricked is the right word, but it feels like a lot of musicians have been tricked out of earning money from their music, and now the labels make money from the music. We stream the music, we think we're supporting the artist, but really what we're supporting is the label, and then you, as the artist, are basically making zero money unless you are, let's say, Drake or Taylor Swift. They make the bulk of the money no matter how much people sort of listen to you as India RE. Am I, am I even close to understanding what's happening with musicians who aren't top of the charts like the, and, and by the way, let's also include the fact that you are an award-winning artist. You've sold 10 million albums worldwide. It's not like you, you, you're, you're a struggling artist. You are an artist, but it feels like it's a lopsided game. Am, am, am I close to understanding the concept?
3: You're very close. There are a few distinctions I would make. Um, so first of all, Spotify is not only the biggest player, but they're also the lowest payer.
2: <laughs> wow. So
3: songwriter and me had to come out there. And so what happens is they say, Well, this is just how it is. This is just what this is just what you get paid. But the labels and Spotify and the streaming platforms together are making those decisions. And so they're telling you, This is what we decided, this is what you get.
2: And so I know most music fans think. We think we listen, you get the money. We listen, you get the money because we're listening to you. That's why people don't buy albums anymore. We're still supporting you is what we think. You listen, just
3: talking about Spotify in particular. Yeah. You listen, we get 0.003 to 0.005% of a penny. A fraction of a penny. That's what we get. And that's what makes it, um, it has been making the professions of producer and songwriter unlivable for a lot of people. I'm blessed that I have been successful, but a lot of people are just doing that as a job that they love and walking mm-hmm. this, tight of, mm-hmm. this tight rope of taking a chance that using their gifts to take care of their families. They're just working musicians. Right. And the, a lot of people can't do it now because, because of the pay. The streaming is low and now the pandemic has cut touring. And so a lot of people are like tired of even having the debate whether or not someone should get paid for their work.
2: Yeah, yeah, you you hear a lot of artists talking about it. And what I think a lot of people missed in the video of yours that went viral was you saying that, you know? As you say, we live in a world now where I get it, I get clickbaits. I get that people, you know, these websites and the and the news organizations they need people to come into a story. Nuance doesn't sell, the conversation doesn't sell, just the the, the click of it sells. You must be sick of talking about Joe Rogan, I'm, I'm assuming, like now, because it, it seems like they've made it about you and him when it isn't. So forgive me for going back to this, but like, let's let's go back to that video and let's go back to that moment. A lot of people saw this video where Indy Ari came out and said, hey, here's this Joe Rogan N-word compilation where he's saying this, and here's him telling a joke, you know, about black people being apes. And and you gave what, what I felt was a really impassioned uh, plea in and around how you as the artist have contributed to creating the platform that this person is on, but the platform is not rewarding you, they're rewarding that person. And what people lost in the conversation was you asking or arguing more about the power you have in the platform that you're part of creating as opposed to canceling or wiping out Joe Rogan's uh, podcast. So I would love to know when, when you put that, when you put that Joe Rogan video out, what were you hoping would happen or what did you think would happen? I have to say that asking for my music to be pulled from Spotify
3: in protest doesn't actually serve me because now my music, if things work out the way I want, my music won't be heard on the biggest streaming platform but I did it in protest just because I felt like my dignity was being, I felt like I was being disrespected, mm-hmm. but I didn't think, and there's a long conversation about that, about not being heard in the industry, not being respected in the industry for not just me, a lot of people, especially artists of color, especially women of color in the industry. Right. And so I was just, I just thought the only way to affirm my dignity and my integrity is to be honest about how I feel. So I asked to just take it down. I didn't expect anyone to listen because I'm used to this certain type of treatment from the industry where they don't listen. They don't listen to what I say in the songs. They don't listen when I say that there's mistreatment. They, they don't listen. I say it, but they don't listen. And so um, to be honest, that made it easier to say over the years because I'm like, well, I'm going to say whatever. And some people are here and some people won't. You know, I'm mean, used to being honest. And so when I was sitting on my couch that day and I made the decision to just say that I wanted my music off, I certainly didn't think it was going to lead to all this. And so, but um, integrity is big here for me. And so being the same person I am inside as the one I act like outside, it made me have to, made me have to speak up. But also when I invited into conversations like this that are a bit uncomfortable for me, because I sing about this, but I don't really talk about it much. Yeah. I'm willing to show up for it because. This is what the world did with the conversation and all I can do is do my best to express. But I certainly thought it would be easier because I thought they would go, "Okay, take her off. All right, go ahead, take her off. And then I had to fight to get it off, too. I'm still in a fight to get it off.
2: That's, that's that's really wild. It's really wild what a whole what it's other turned. conversation. Yeah, it, it's it's really interesting. Just I think what it's exposed about the industry, the conversations that it's got us having now. So so here's my opinion. I think in America, there's a really simplified conversation that people like to have because, because it makes it makes people feel good about themselves or it makes them feel like things are moving forward or not. You know, so it's it's easy to go good person, bad person, good guy, bad guy. Then we've solved it right. and then it's done, you know? Right, and, and 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 I know that I know that you've spoken on this. You know, you said there were parts of Joe Rogan's apology where you were like, "Yeah, I I, I appreciate that he has learned that he shouldn't be running around saying the N word just to prove that he's edgy." And then you also said, "I also don't know that I would label him a racist." And 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 this really struck me because I mean, I talked about that on the show. You know, contrary to what clickbait will tell you, is I, I talked about that on the show, and I said it is something that I struggle with, and I, I could see you having a similar you know, a struggle in that conversation is, have you, and I'm only honestly asking this question because I myself am in a world of trying to understand and get answers for myself. Did you get any closer to understanding that? Like, do you think Joe Rogan is a racist? Do you, like, how do you feel about the whole thing right now? I think
3: there are two things that we consider when we talk about racism. And one is conscious racism and the other is unconscious racism. Mm -hmm. And so I have learned in my life to make room and forgiveness for people who are unconsciously racist because our whole society is built on racist concepts. So if you're born into it, if you're not actively working to not be racist, then you have some of it in you. And I mean, I've had people that I love who I know love me, always showed up for me, always were there for me. I had a musician dearly departed who I could cry thinking about him now. He loved me so much. We played together for 20 years and every time we sang, he would just look at me with so much like love and admiration wow. i mean after 20 years every time i'd sing he would just go wow. and he'd just look at me we loved each other but there were times when he would say racist things and i would have to be like hey <laughs> you know in some in the band my band was mostly black men and women and we would be like hey hey like trying to educate him right yeah because he was born into a world that taught him a certain way and didn't teach him other ways. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: And then there's conscious racism. When you know you're doing it, and like you said in your monologue, if a person keeps doing it, is that when we call them a-racist? So if you know you're doing it and you keep doing it, I would say that is a racist. And so for me, when I think about... (sighs) I want to be nice. I was going to say this name that I'm tired of saying. But for me, when I think about Joe Rogan, I think... I think that he is being consciously racist. I mean, since the early 1900s, we've had an agreement in our society that we don't say the word or or you have Mm -hmm. to suffer the consequences. Right. And so saying it and then being like, what are you going to do? Oh, sorry, I didn't mean that. Or "I, I didn't understand there was no context under which I should say it. I don't believe that. I think he knew there was no context. I think that's why he was saying it because it got a rise out of people. That's why he would say it. He knew that it was inappropriate. And I think the fact that he did it repeatedly and was conscious and knew, I think that is being racist. And I don't like even saying that because I'm a sensitive old soul and I want to believe the best in people. So when Mm -hmm. I first heard his apology, my instinct is to go he, he tried but when I go deeper and ask myself what I really think from my commitment to truth that I've made this last year what I really think is that he was being consciously racist and it makes me wonder what he talks like behind closed doors if you that's have what, even a consciousness right. where you it's can call black people apes that's something there
1: Calling all vendors and non-vendors alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me,
0: Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode.
1: So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire.
0: Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements on Apple Podcasts.
1: Or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I went back and I watched like a bunch of the um, the podcasts. And it's really interesting that you say that because I think there are two parts that I found myself breaking it into is like, one, when Joe Rogan started doing this thing, it's really interesting that you say that. What does he talk about in private? A lot of podcasts used to be a bunch of people talking in private. You know, the way you said right. you never felt heard. I think a lot of people used to make podcasts like that. It was just this thing they do in a basement right. with their friends and then they talk shit and they say whatever. I will also say this right. as a comedian, like the shit that we talk about at comedy clubs, I don't know if it's the same with musicians or what, the things we're saying backstage, you're like, it's it's almost like, yeah, it's it's part and parcel with the job. And by the way, it's not that we don't say things are racist. The amount of times I've said to a comedian around the table, I'd be like, that's racist as shit. They'd be like, ah, oh, come on. And we 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 fight, but we're still friends, maybe because we have more things that connect us than more things that separate us. But we are able to call things out as being racist or as being sexist or as being whatever but we don't go, you're not a human being anymore. You just go like, nah, man, that was f-ed up. You shouldn't have said that. Right. That's racist, how That's can right. you even think that way? And then, we, and then we'd fight. That's right. I honestly <laughs> found like what, what happened with, like with the Joe Rogan thing and what I watched was, I watched a guy where, these clips are not from yesterday. These clips are from years ago. At some point, Joe Rogan realized people were listening, I think, and also did not want to be that person. And so he just stopped using it. I think that counts for something personally, you know? But I also think there's an element of, um, you know, when they go, what my grandmother would say of me when I was young, she'd go, um, it, it, she'd say it in different ways. But essentially what she'd say about me sometimes is you're being a shit. You're being a little shit, you know? It's where you, you know which buttons to push because because you know what it gets out of people. I have found generally, not just as a comedian, but as a person, oftentimes it is easy for us to engage in risque or risky topics or conversations when the danger is not in proximity to us. Do you know what I'm saying? It's funny, like, like, like even, even on the show, I remember we used to send people out to, like, to rallies, you know, like to go to Trump rallies. And all of, like, the black correspondents who work on the show were like, I, I can't go there and it's not fun, you know? And then you would find, like, some of our white correspondents, let's say Jordan Klepper, he would go there and he would say it's the weirdest thing. He's not agreeing with these people, but they just have, like, a chumminess with him where it's like they can, almost, they can almost say whatever they want to say, you know? And, and there's an element of going like, ah, I look like you, so maybe you th- I think like you, you know? And so when, it's funny that you say the thing of, of, of the Joe Rogan, because I don't know. I, I go, I, it's, it's, a, it's, it's one of those instances where you, you go, do you, do you put a hand out to a person and hope that they don't like chop it off or do you stay safe and put your hand in your pocket and go like, no, it's just safer to label you as this human being. And so I understand your conflict and the dilemmas that you're in because you, you know what you're saying, you're trying to be a, a person with a soul and a spirit and you're trying to go, hey, Joe Rogan, I'm glad that you acknowledge these things because there are people who follow you who will go, okay, I guess it's not okay to say this word. I'm glad you've acknowledged that. There's also people who go, okay, calling black people apes is racist. I'm glad that you've acknowledged this thing. But then at the same time, you know what I mean? People go like, can you accept that? And should you accept that? And that's, I think, a conversation society is having as a whole is, what is the path to redemption for anyone? We all wanna forgive. We all want people to get better. We all wanna see the change. But what is that path to redemption? I don't think we've ever truly figured that out in society. I don't think being
3: a bad person and being racist are mutually exclusive. Or did I even say that right? I think being a racist doesn't automatically make you a bad person. I never knew how to use that saying.
2: I know. I don't know I, that I think being I, a racist yeah.
3: makes you a bad person necessarily.
2: Uh-huh.
3: It makes you a person who was raised in our society. Damn. But when does it cross over into being a bad person or being harmful? When does it cross over into that? And so I feel like in the intellectual circles, what I've learned is that they would say there has to be power behind the prejudice to make it racism.
2: Right. You have
3: racist thoughts that you can institute with power, and that's racism. And so if you're Joe Rogan and you have this huge listening audience, mm-hmm. by you doing that, you embolden them to do that. And now we're in trouble as a society. Forgive me because I forget this man's name, but there's a Harvard professor that called it the atomic bomb of racial slurs. Hmm. I don't believe Joe Rogan didn't know it was the atomic bomb of racial slurs. I believe he knew. And even if he was, like you said, just being a little shit, that's one conversation, but now if you have power to institute it mm-hmm. and you have this whole audience that is now thinking maybe it's okay for them to do it, now we are in trouble with this atomic bomb.
2: But And but also- does it count? Sorry to cut you off on that before you yeah. move on. Does it, th- that's why I asked the question. Someone asked me this the other day. It was random, in the street, someone walked up to me and they were like, yeah, I'm glad you destroyed Joe Rogan. I was like, first of all, I don't destroy anybody. I don't cancel people. I don't I don't slam, I don't eviscerate. Right. I, there's a lot of like violent language that gets used. I, I'm I'm predominantly a human being and then a comedian. Comedians, we tell jokes. I, most of the time I don't take things that seriously. But what I yeah. found interesting was this. I, I, I found myself talking to this person in the street and, and I said to them, where, where do we want to be in, in the world? Do we want to be in a place in the world where we say Joe Rogan leads people. And so for, by him saying the N-word and making these jokes, he's leading them down the wrong path. But then by that logic, should we not then say by him acknowledging it's the wrong thing and by going down, then we should also acknowledge that that's a good thing. Because the last thing we wanna do, and I'm genuinely afraid of this in society is, I don't wanna live in a society where we cast people out because the, 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 the like, as you say, the bad people are so happy for that. They're so, they like, like there was that, um, it's like another streaming platform or whatever it is. They offered Joe Rogan money and I don't know if they would give it to him or not, but they said, come Joe and bring all those N-word podcasts with you. Do you know what I mean? And I was going like, yo, do I, do I want to live in a world where someone like Joe Rogan doesn't get a chance? and becomes welcomed by the worst of society? Or do I wanna live in a world where Joe Rogan can say, yeah, I fucked up, and yeah, I was being full of shit, and yeah, I was playing with racism, and I fucked up, and, and, and now I don't wanna be a part of that? And then you go like, his listenership is hearing this, going like, yeah, Joe, we, we agree with you because we follow you. This is not the cool thing to do. And the reason I ask that funny enough is because I think of it around the conversations of um, criminal justice reform. I think about how many people, especially in America, you know, live in a world where They commit a crime or they live a life that has forced them into crime, right? People will argue about forced or not forced all the time, but I don't think anybody wants to do crime, you know? People do the crime, they serve their time, they get their punishment, whatever it may be, as just or unjust as it may be. But I find society doesn't give them an opportunity to come back even when that's happened and society goes, no, you are a criminal. And then I always ask people, I go, how long long are you a criminal for now? Right. You know, and so I, right. I wonder yeah. with that, I go, do I want Joe Rogan to now join a gang, quote unquote, or do I want to live in a world where I can be like, yo, Joe Joe Rogan, you fucked up. I, I should be able to say that as a person. You as Indy Ari can say that as a person. I think we should all be able to critique, criticize, talk shit, and, and still live in a world where you go, even though you fucked up, I still do not want you to be, like, you know what I mean? Ostracized into a world that'll encourage that behavior only. Maybe that's how I see right. it.
3: That's how I see it too. And, but I don't think we've yet seen changed enough behavior from Joe Rogan to oh, say, okay, okay, okay we're that's good interesting. Because I don't think he fully understands what he did there. And so I want to tell you my DMs and my comments are wild right now
2: In what of way? people
3: just all kind of racial slurs and misogynistic ones too, all kinds. And so that says to me that these people who want to defend Joe Rogan think that this is the right language to do it. So Joe Rogan needs to do more than go, oh yeah, I'm sorry. He needs to, if you want to really lead your listeners down a new path, then lead them Mm. to the point where they don't feel that it's the right language to come into my DMs and call me an N-word in defense
2: of him. <laughs> he needs to teach them that they shouldn't feel that way they're not making him look good. That's an, it, you got it it is an insane irony when you think about it cuz I I've had the same. Exa- I've, I've had the same thing. It. No, I mean it's insane when you think about it. They literally come into your DMs calling you the n-word, saying to you how dare you say this about Joe Rogan, you N-word, he's a good guy, you N-word. And I hope you, like every death threat you can imagine, every go back to Africa slur, every, do you know what I mean? And people don't understand yes. when they say that to me, that means I must go on a vacation. It's not exactly a slur. I will go back to Africa to see my family. So, but but, but I, you, you see, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I didn't think, I mean, I don't know anyone who's having the experience, but it's interesting that you say that. People literally say to me like, oh, you're just an N-word coon, this, what, they throw all of the things in. All of the things. But in defense of a person who said what I did was wrong and they're going, it's not wrong. It's, it's such a complicated ball of... I, but that's interesting that you say that. You feel like you would like to see Joe Rogan do a little more work in the world of tackling what he did and what it was all about.
3: Ooh, yes, I would love to see him do more work around tackling what he did and what it's all about because like I said, and as we kind of know, if you are a certain type of person in this world, if you're not doing, especially as a white person, I wanna say, if you're not doing the work to not be racist, then it's in you. So Joe Rogan is given the opportunity now to do the work and to teach other people like, hey, we, this is why, and, you know, if you have this show with 11 million people listening every time or whatever they're saying, Right. lead them, learn for yourself and then lead them because now you're making this world a better place. And so I would love to see that. Also, what you said about being a comedian backstage, like, and what you said, I think before we even came on camera, I'm not sure if we right. were on yet, but you said, I feel like we need to have mess in your Yeah, I do. I that. love the idea of being able to just talk about stuff and to be able to get some stuff kind of wrong and to be able to get it right and to be able to be messy and talk it through. I feel like that is idealistic. But it's what I would love to see because in the end, <laughs> people can act like we're individuals and all that, but we really are an interconnected humanity.
2: Yeah, we and are. so
3: being more and more divided is not going to fix anything. The thing that fixes things is by talking. Mm. And maybe the talk won't work, but maybe it would, but just automatically being divided does not work. And so when I have these conversations on my social media, and like you said, I'm trying to be nuanced and to unpack it all. It's really hard to do with people who want you to, and people who do at you use language as this blunt force instrument. And then right. they want you to do it too. Yeah. But it's just not my nature. And so I'm trying to unpack it, And but I wish that that's what we could do. Because yeah. what does is, what is canceling anybody do? Like, like we know, they'll just go somewhere else.
2: Yeah.
3: Well, I, I also- so if you have you, yeah. these people that you can influence, do, do, do influence them. And do mm-hmm. more than just saying, oh, sorry. <laughs> That's
1: not enough. Calling all vendors and non-vendors alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me,
0: Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode.
1: So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse.
0: It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar, Braving the Elements on
1: Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.
2: Thank you for joining me. And um, I'm really sorry for the shitstorm this has created in your life. You know, um, I know how horrible it is to have um, one to not feel safe. I'll say that, you know, Um, if I if I can just imagine some of your DMs based on some of mine, I'm sorry to you for how unsafe it can make you feel as a person as a woman, as a black woman. Thank you
3: for saying that. Thank Um, you for saying that.
2: And so, uh, yeah, I'm sorry for the shitstorm this has created in your life. And uh, I'm grateful to you for taking the time and joining me to talk about it. Because I I do think- Can I please tell you something else? I have
3: to tell you something else. Yeah. If I may. You can say whatever you like. There was one year, my life fell apart. My life's fallen apart a few times. I keep putting it back together because that's life. But there was a big time back in 2009. And one of my mentors gave me the uh, homework of figuring out who my hero was. They were like, you have to pick one. Who's your hero? And I thought it was a musician and maybe, because I went through all these musicians, it took me two weeks to figure out that for a lot of reasons, my hero was Maya Angelou. Hmm. And so, because I am magic, I manifested being able to be with her. I went to her house in Harlem. We had this conversation. And one of the things I asked her was like, Basically, what, what do I do? How do I navigate life and be my best? Basically, was, we, we talked about other stuff, relationships and how to forgive broken hearts and all kind of other stuff. But the real question was, what do I do? And our wisdom keeper, I could cry. She said, just tell the truth. And she said, I grew up in a time when telling the truth could get you killed because civil rights movement. Yeah. And she said, and I always told the truth. And I've been working towards being more that person. And in 2020, like 2020 showed me that I wasn't always being honest with myself because what I wanted to be able to do was see the best in everyone, see the mm-hmm. best in our world, believe that we can be our best. That's what my music is all about. Anybody who knows my music, that's what you hear. People know yeah. brown skin, video hair, but my, my catalog, it's full of songs about spiritual ideals and concepts. It's what I do. And wanting to see the best in everything made it so that I wasn't oftentimes seeing what things were. Mm. And this thing I keep referring to of making a decision about being honest. I, I read this book from a woman named Martha Beck, and she talked about it in Integrity Cleanse. And so it sounded right to me because I'm having this disillusionment of like how I saw the world and what the world really is showing me and growing up. And so I decided last summer, around May, that I was just gonna tell the truth all the time and see what it did with my life. And of course, thinking about Maya. And that's what I've been doing. And it's hard for me to say, to point at someone and say, no, you're a racist. I don't want to be that person. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: But but for me, it is what is true. And this hasn't blown up my life, I wouldn't say. I would say it's given me an opportunity to further investigate how honest I can be and how and the best that I can be. Because I, I, Maya Angelou is my hero because I wanna be something like her someday. And the only way to get there is to be like her. And so I wanna be a person who can be honest, who can have hard conversations and light ones who can sing the stuff and speak it. And so. I'm learning to see this as a scary moment, but also an opportunity for growth. Because growth is, you know, it's always scary, really. And so, that's where I'm at. And I do sometimes. I have been feeling a little bit unsafe, but more than anything, I'm feeling expanded.
2: Can I say one thing to you before we go? Then, based on that, Here, here's a here's a a truth that, like, one of my truths is this. I think one of the biggest reasons people are so violently against calling a thing what it is or seeing a thing for what it may be, or even acknowledging something in themselves, is that we haven't developed a framework in society to allow people to not be that thing. And so if you live in a world where you are a racist, a sexist, a misogynist, a a xenophobe, whatever it may be, A, even if you are that truly, you were brought up that way, you, you grew up in a community that whatever it may be, whatever it may be, does society give you the option to not be that anymore? And does society give you the option to adopt a different label? If society doesn't do that, then people will violently refuse acknowledging any of these things because then they know that that means they're forever condemned to being kicked out of society, you know? And it's funny, I was talking to some friends back in South Africa the other day about like the harshest punishment. And we talked about how like Africans used to deal with punishment. And one of the worst things that could happen to you in in a South African tribe, this is, you know, before like colonization even was, if they really felt like you could not be reasoned with in the tribe, you would be told to leave. That was your punishment. Not, you wouldn't be put in a cage. You would be kicked out of society, which is the complete opposite of what people do today. And it's because they knew that that was one of the greatest punishments that you could you, you know, um, impose on another human is not let them be a part of. And so I think, honestly, until America gets to a place where it can decide, and not just America, many places in the world, but until America gets to a place where it can go, okay, you, you did this, you were this, but now there's a time, there's a way, there's, there's some path that you, can, that you can take towards reconciliation. Unless you do that, you will never have an, an, an honest conversation ever because people will dig in their heels and say, I cannot afford to be labeled racist in any way, shape or form because that means I get kicked out of society. And so I would rather deny the fact that is right in front. I would rather not tell the truth because the truth won't set you free. It'll do the complete opposite. That's what I honestly believe. But also
3: deny to yourself. Like, it's easier to lie to yourself. You know what I would love to see Joe Rogan do is to have, especially some of our greatest thinkers, some of our greatest black female thinkers around race on his show to have those messy conversations. That's what I would love to see. Because I I want to see... Because like you said, is there a way out? And education is the way out. Not that anybody's going to see him different because we don't know how to love each other really. But maybe it would matter. Maybe it May- would matter.
2: Messy conversations. Indy Ari, I could talk to you forever. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for Thank being you vulnerable too. with me. Thank you for sharing the space. And uh, I hope to see you again. Thank you too. Thank you too. All right, my friend. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye. Calling all vendors and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me,
0: Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode.
1: So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse.
0: It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements on
1: Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, please consider supporting Change Today, Change Tomorrow. They're an organization led by Black women that helps Black and underserved communities in Louisville with free grocery delivery programs, uh, community garden development, food pantries, free COVID and HIV AIDS testing, and so much more. So if you want to support them in their work, please donate at the link below. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, get your vaccine, and please... Stop sending ndr death threats. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central, and stream full episodes anytime on Paramount+.
0: Listen to Avatar, Braving the Elements on Apple Podcasts.
1: Or wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.